All right, guys, good to be with you again. And uh, just to reiterate with what uh, Pastor Eric said, thanks so much for uh, being so welcoming and, and so loving, so hospitable to me and my family. It was a great joy to get to know some of you uh, during the free time. And uh, thanks to many of you for uh, doing a seamless, seemingly endless snowball fight with uh, my boys and uh, digging out an igloo with them. Uh, it's pretty impressive, you guys haven't seen it. Like three people could fit inside the igloo. It's, it's pretty legit. Uh, just uh, just uh, one more call, one last call for the talent show. Um, excited to see what you guys have come up with. Uh, we have one last block of free time from I think 9.45 to midnight, so that's pretty much your last chance. Uh, potentially you could grab me before breakfast or maybe at breakfast sometime, but really I would say if you could get it in before midnight, that, that would be ideal. And uh, I, I would just say at this point you have a pretty good chance of winning given the number of entries so far. Uh, well, you can turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. And uh, we're going to go through the, the third sermon that you have in your booklet. So we're going to skip the story of the prodigal son. And we're instead going to be in Mark chapter 4. And I want to begin with a question for you. Has there ever been a time where you were hearing somebody but not really listening? Some of you are like, yeah, I'm doing that right now. <laughs> I think it's something we've all done before, right? Maybe you're sitting in class and the teacher is teaching on something that is just boring. And they're just reading off their notes in a, in a monotone voice. It's not very engaging, not very interesting. And you're, you're there. You're, 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 you're hearing what they're saying. The, the, the sound waves are literally going into your ears, but you're checked out. Maybe there's been a time where you were in your living room and your mom or your dad was giving you a lecture, the same lecture that you've heard before. And they're going on and on and on. You know, your parents, the Bible calls you to honor your parents. You should be listening, but it's so hard and you're checked out. Uh, you're hearing the words, but nothing is, is being processed. So there's many uh, situations in life where you can hear without really listening. As the old saying goes, things can go in one ear and out the other. You see, it's one thing to hear something. And it's one thing to even hear something correctly. But it's quite another thing to understand something. And that's the theme that we're going to see in our passage today. It's a story about hearing. The message of this story is take care, not just that you hear, but that you hear correctly. Because Jesus will say that you can hear his teaching, but your soul can still be condemned. It depends not just on whether you hear him or not, but on how you hear him. So uh, let's look at Mark chapter 4, and we're going to look at this well-known parable of the four soils. Uh, you know, we've been uh, hearing God's word 
This weekend, uh, we've heard a sermon on God's love. You guys discussed it in your groups, but uh, understand that there is the possibility that you can hear about God's love, but not truly understand it, and as a result, end up rejecting it instead of accepting it. And so let's hear this parable about hearing. And as we read through this, I want you to notice the emphasis on hearing. Hearing God the way you're supposed to. Mark chapter 1, sorry, Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. Let's read this. Again, he, Jesus, began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that He got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then I want you to skip down to verse 13 for the explanation of the parable. Verse 13, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. As we're reading through that, did you catch the emphasis on hearing? Look at verse 3. Jesus says, listen. Verse 9, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 15, when they hear. Verse 16, when they hear the word. Verse 18, 
They are those who hear the word. Verse 20, the ones who hear the word and accept it. This parable is clearly about hearing. Well, what are we supposed to hear? Well, verse 14 identifies the seed as the word. We are to listen to the word of God. We are to listen to the truth found in the Bible. And a seed is a great illustration for God's word. Because a seed of a plant has the potential for life. It has the potential to be sprouted and the, uh, to, to be planted and then sprout into a beautiful plant, a beautiful tree that bears a lot of fruit. And in the same way, the Word of God is a seed that has the potential to be planted into a heart and sprout eternal life, blossom into a beautiful life that sings praises to God and lives for the glory of God. So the seed is the word of God. Well, what, what about the soils? There's four different soils mentioned, uh, which are uh, given the most attention in this parable. They represent four different kinds of hearts. Uh, this is something of one of those personality tests that you see online, right? You're like, oh, that's super dumb. Clickbait. All right, I'll do it. I'll do it. I, I got five minutes. I'll do it. You know, answer these ten questions and find out what Disney character you are. You answer the ten questions, and at the end, boom. You're Mr. Incredible. You're Elsa. Answer these 20 questions. Find out which Avenger you are. Answer the questions instead of doing your homework. And then, boom, at the end, you are Iron Man. You are Captain America. You are the Hulk. I, I never seem to, to get the Hulk. I don't know why. Well, this story here is given so that you can determine which of the four soils you are. And so, uh, what, what, what's the soils? You. You, your heart. But you're only one of the four. And the story is given to help you determine which of the four you are. And so, as we go through these, uh, I hope that you'll find which one you are. Let's look at them. First, we see... The stubborn heart, the stubborn heart, symbolized by the hard soil. Verse 4, let's read that again. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. And the explanation down in verse 15, look down there, verse 15. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. The first soil is hard. These fields would have been divided by paths where farmers would walk and they would uh, ride horses and uh, carts that were pulled by oxen would travel. And so this first seed falls actually not into the field where it's supposed to be planted, but it falls along one of these paths. And these paths would have been uh, very very hard because people would have walked on them, pounding the soil down. Uh, oxen and horses would have been uh, walking on them, further pounding it down. The, the wheels from the carts would have rolled over them, pushing the soil down, compacting it, making it extremely hard. And so when, when the seed falls on the path, 
doesn't go in. It just bounces off the surface and lays there right on the top. And then what happens? Birds from above fly in overhead, say, ooh, free food. And they swoop in and snatch the seed away. And that's the illustration for the hard heart. Some people's hearts are like this soil where the word of God may be planted. Uh, someone preaches the gospel. They hear a sermon. Someone shares the gospel with them. But that, that seed of the word of God bing, just bounces off the heart. And it just lays there right on the surface. And it's easy for Satan to snatch that word away so that it's as if the word was never spoken, as if they never heard it in the first place. And so, who, who is the hard heart? Well, this is your uh, staunch atheist friend who says there, there is no God. Uh, it is your agnostic friend who is pretty much an atheist, but just wants to kind of leave the door open for maybe something somewhere down the line. I'll, I'll believe in something. Uh, it could be your, your postmodern friend at your school uh, with a relativistic kind of thinking where, where all truth is relative, right? And they, they say to you uh, very kindly, very politely, maybe even excitedly, you know, I'm so glad, so glad you found what works for you. I'm so glad you found your truth. But, but I found my truth and, and I'm happy with that. And so I don't think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to what you have to say. But the hard soil can also be the churchgoer. And there's a hundred seeds thrown at this heart, but they all bounce right off. The person who has heard sermon after sermon after sermon, they're there. They're in church. And maybe uh, one of the leaders notices that they, they've been coming consistently and says, Hey, do you want to maybe sit down and talk a little bit? I, I'll, I'll buy you some boba, buy you a coffee, you know, buy you lunch. Let, let's talk. And you know, they resist that first. Like, nah, not, not really here for that. But you know, the, the leader is, is persistent. Like, no, no, let, let, let's hang out. They're like, okay, okay, fine. We'll hang out. And so they do. And the leader asks them questions about their soul, asks them questions about heaven and hell, eternity and and to be polite, this person will answer the questions. And they might even have a little smile on their face and nod their head. Yeah, yeah. But in their heart, they're thinking, I'm never going to believe this. I'm never going to believe this. And so they might be nodding on the outside, but on the inside, their arms are folded tight. You're not... You're not convincing me of anything. I know where I stand. So, friends, you can be in church and uh, you can actually be the hard heart. Be careful that you are not the hard heart. But be equally careful that you're not the second kind of heart, and that is the shallow heart. It is equally as dangerous and even more deceptive. Let's look secondly at the shallow heart. Verse 5. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. 
And then down in verse 16 to hear Jesus' explanation of the the shallow heart, the, the rocky soil. Verse 16, And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Some other seeds fell on on rocky ground. And this is actually speaking... Uh, not of soil that happens to have a whole bunch of little rocks in it. Uh, in Israel at this time, there were some areas where there would be a solid level of limestone bedrock just inches below the soil. And that's why uh, verse 5 says it did not have much soil and no depth of soil. And so there would be this thin layer, just a few inches of soil, but right underneath that thin layer was this solid limestone bedrock. And so what would happen is the seed would be sown in this very shallow soil and it would sprout and the roots would go down and try to go down deeper, but then it would hit the rock. And so it had a root system, but the root system remained tiny. Uh, slender and immature and the, pl- uh, the the plant sprouted for sure but the root system was too weak to sustain it and so when the sun would come out it would scorch that tiny immature plant uh, with with a with a very weak root system and as quickly as the plant went up it goes down it gets scorched it gets dried up As quickly as that plant is there, it is gone. Have you ever heard the term fair-weather fans? Fair-weather fans. They're the opposite of die-hard fans, right? The die-hard fans, uh, they're going to stick with their team, even in the rebuilding years, even when their team is doing terribly, even when there's no chance that their team is going to make the playoffs. And in baseball and football, you can literally see these diehard fans because they're going to be there even when the weather is bad, uh, even when it's raining, even when it's snowing. They're, they're going to be outdoors in the stadium supporting their team, getting drenched, but they're going to be there. On the contrary, you have the fair weather fans who get really excited when the team is doing well but when this team starts to do poorly they're out and maybe they have tickets to to the baseball game uh, to the dodgers game but then a little bit of sprinkle and people in la you guys can't handle that you don't know how to drive in that it's a storm to you and so i'm staying home Watch watch the game on TV. And that is the fair weather fan. They only support their team uh, when the weather is good and certainly when the team is doing well. Back in 2014, there weren't that many Golden State Warriors fans. Because they were terrible. 
Uh, I think they have the second longest playoff drought in the history of the NBA. And so only the diehard fans were showing up to the games. Uh, only the diehard fans were the ones who were there. I remember, you know, I grew up in, in NorCal. Uh, the Warriors were just giving tickets away. I remember you, you would go, and if you got your hair cut like one of the, uh, the old Warriors, his name was Chris Mullen, he had like this flat top, you could go to the arena, get a free haircut, the flat top, and then you get into the game for free. So just giving these tickets away. Now, uh, at Chase Center, I mean, tickets are like 80 bucks to sit in the nosebleeds. So 2015 rolls around, Warriors win the championship, now what do you see? Steph Curry jerseys everywhere. Warriors fans infesting Staples, or now Crypto.com Arena. And uh, when the Warriors play the Lakers, the, when the Warriors make a bucket, uh, the crowd cheers almost as loudly as when the Lakers make a bucket. And so tons of bandwagon fans. And the thing is, right now, the, the Fairweather fans look the same as the hardcore fans. But what's going to happen over the next few years? Uh, well, the Warriors are going to win the championship in June. Praise Jesus. Uh, and then they're going to you know, win, I don't know, five, six, ten more championships. And that's going to be awesome. And then eventually, though, Steph, Clay, and Draymond are going to get old. And they're going to retire. And the Warriors will probably be bad again. And what's going to happen is these fair weather fans are going to jump off the bandwagon and you won't see them anymore. Well, the shallow heart here is the fair weather fan. Shallow hearts follow Jesus when it's easy, when it's convenient, when it's popular. When everyone else is doing it. And Jesus says in verse 16, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. They're happy to hear the gospel. They have this very positive reaction to the gospel. Oh, I really love that sermon. I really love the good news of the gospel. Uh, tell me more. You know, I'll be there. I'll be there at Kairos. I'll be there at church. And they might even make some profession of faith. I believe. Uh, I accept Jesus into my heart. And it gets really tricky because it looks just like real belief. The rocky soil looks just like the good soil at first. Both receive the word with joy. Both make a commitment to Jesus. Both pray a prayer accepting Jesus into their hearts saying words of confession of sin and acknowledgement of Jesus as Savior. The plant in the rocky soil and the plant in the good soil both sprout. And that's why whenever someone does make a profession of faith in Jesus, I always rejoice because possibly someone has truly become a Christian. I rejoice with them. I'm super excited. I praise God in my prayers. But after being a pastor for a little bit of time now, experience has shown that in addition to rejoicing, I also got to pray that this faith is genuine. In addition to rejoicing, I also have to wait and see what's going to happen. 
to see if that faith is authentic. Because it's so easy to have a shallow commitment. It's so easy to be at church for superficial reasons, right? You can be at church for so many reasons other than Jesus. The fun, uh, the social aspect, your friends. uh, It's just something to do instead of staying at home all day. Uh, Because your parents want you to go. For some of you, your parents force you to go. Uh, just because it's a way of life, it's, it's the way you've always done things, and it might feel weird that you're not at church. But can I ask you, are you here for Jesus? Because if you're here primarily for any other reason, look what's going to happen to you. Verse 17, And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then... When tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. If you're only here for shallow reasons, when it gets tough, as the text says, you will fall away. The sun comes out at high noon, and it's too much for the weak plant with shallow root system to handle, and it gets burned up. Only the strong plants with a strong, deep root system will endure. And so when persecution comes, those who have a shallow heart will fall away. They'll fall away. As soon as uh, someone at school makes fun of them for being a Christian, uh, calls them naive, close-minded, uh, says that they're a, they're a bigot and they're, they're hateful in their speech, then they walk away. And as soon as you graduate and go to college and realize that there's not a lot of Christians on the college campus, And professors and and teachers' assistants, TAs, might even directly attack you in class for your faith. As soon as that happens, the shallow heart, they're out. They walk away. They fall away, as it says. As soon as it's no longer fun to be at church, maybe you have personal conflicts with people in Kairos or or whatever group you you end up at. As soon as it's uh, no longer cool, you got the drama in the youth group. You're out, showing that you are here for reasons other than Jesus Christ himself. Uh, I've had plenty of friends who were ready to conquer the world for Jesus in high school. Uh, I can still picture their faces, and some of them I I stay in contact with. And they were, uh, as the phraseology we would use, they were on fire for Jesus. Right, uh, they, they would read their Bibles, which was very rare in high school, but they were the ones who actually read their Bibles on their own. They sang loud. Uh, they were asked to be leaders in the youth group. Uh, but slowly and, and surely, uh, they, they fell away. Their, their fire cooled down. I remember this, this one friend in particular that I had. Uh, he was 
a leader in the youth group. He was a guy one year older than me, and so I really looked up to him. Uh, he, he knew his Bible well. Uh, his dad was a pastor, and uh, he even shared his faith. Again, very rare among high school students that they would actually take the initiative to, to evangelize, to share their faith with their friends, uh, something that I hope you guys do, but it does take a level of spiritual maturity, and he would do that. And, and I really looked up to him. I really admired him for that. And, and in many ways in, in high school, I wanted to be like him. But slowly, not suddenly, the fire cooled down. And pretty soon he just walked away from it all. And today, he wants nothing to do with Jesus. I will not call himself a Christian. Uh, many of us have tried to reach out to him. Uh, people from church call him, doesn't pick up, shoot him a text, doesn't answer. Complete radio silence from him. Uh, we have no idea even where he, he lives, and it's just heartbreaking. It hurts. And uh, I want to talk to you guys about this now to make sure that, that this is not you. Uh, to figure out now that you, you not be the shallow heart. Uh, figure out where you stand with Jesus now, tonight even. Talk about it in small group. And if you're uncomfortable doing that, grab your leader afterwards and just uh, talk through. Uh, help me understand where, where I stand with Christ. In those still moments when you're all by yourself and you're really thinking through uh, what's in my heart, do you believe in Jesus? Uh, have you truly been united with him, as Leighton was talking about last night? Have you been put in a, a union with him where you can call him your personal savior? Be careful that you are not the shallow heart. And you got to be so careful because it looks just like the good heart at first. And the same can be said about the next kind of heart, the strangled heart. The strangled heart. Verse 7. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And then skip down to verse 18 to hear the explanation. Verse 18. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Notice the preposition in verse 7. Other seeds fell, what does it say? Among thorns. And then verse 18. Others are the ones sown among thorns. And so this seed is not alone. It's sown among other seeds. And as we see, these seeds are thorns. These are, are weeds that had big thorns in them, spiky weeds. And these seeds of weeds sprout and grow up at the same time as the plant. And as they do, they steal the nutrients from the soil. They steal the sunlight. They steal the water so that when both plants grow up, eventually the weeds choke out the plant and kill it. What this is saying is that the soil of your heart must be given exclusively to the Word of God. Because if you plant some other seeds in there, 
weed seeds because then grow up at the same time and whatever those weeds are will choke out whatever love you have for Christ. Uh, it'll overtake the word of God. In verse 19, these weeds are called the cares of the world, riches and desires for things. Uh, what you care deeply about, what you're passionate about, uh, the things that you desire. What, what are some things that you can list off in your mind that you desire that end up competing with your desire for God. Perhaps it's simply being liked by people. Almost always the number one idol of a high school student. I just want to be well-liked. I want to be well-thought of. I want uh, to be popular. I want people to see me a certain, ways, a certain way. Is, is that the desire of your heart? That will eventually choke out your desire for God. Uh, maybe it's riches, like it says in verse 19. Uh, it's just stuff. Is it a relationship? Uh, getting that person to like you back. Maybe it's some kind of sexual sin. Uh, maybe it is grades. Uh, you feel like, if I just get those grades, then I'll be successful in life, and uh, I'll get the, into the college where everyone's going to ooh and ah, and I get the respect that I really want. So w what is it that competes with your desire for God? If I, uh, if I woke you up in the middle of the night, and you didn't have any chance to prepare, and said, what do you want in this life? And then you just, ah, whatever answer you gave, like that was truly in your heart. Or maybe I can ask you even more strongly, what do you love? with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. You see, for a Christian, Jesus must be number one. It's a struggle. Uh, he's not number one all the time because you, you do have a sin nature and uh, things crowd him out. But overall, for the Christian, Jesus remains on the throne as king of your heart, number one. But if you allow things to stay in your heart that are competitors for Jesus, and you don't weed those competitors out, then the competitors are going to push Jesus out of the ring. They're going to push Jesus off the throne of your heart and sit there in his rightful place. Overall, the big picture of your life, Jesus must be number one. That is what it's characteristic of a Christian. The Bible says you cannot serve two masters, only one. And so the, the strangled heart might be the most subtle kind of deafness because this person hears Jesus but this person also hears other things. And they're interested in Jesus. But they're interested in other things. They love Jesus. But they also love the world. Is something strangling, choking out your love for Christ? Be careful that you are not the strangled heart. And then finally... Finally, we have some good news. We have the soft heart. The soft heart. Verse 8. 
and other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And then looking down at verse 20, the end of this story, this parable. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. Thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Soft soil, not hard. Deep soil, not shallow. Clear soil, not sharing with thorns, weeds. This good soil produces a good tree with good fruit. Now notice the the drastic differences here. Look at me, uh, look look with me at verse 8. Verse 8, look at that preposition there. Fell into, the seed fell into the good soil. It goes in, uh, not among thorns, not onto the path, but into. Secondly, in verse 20, notice that this one hears the word and accepts it. This is not in one ear and out the other. This is not a bouncing off of a hard heart. This is someone who internalizes what they hear. This is someone who accepts it, meditates on it, receives it and is attentive to it. And then third, the greatest and most obvious difference is that this tree bears fruit. 60-fold, uh, 30-fold, 60-fold, or 100-fold. And this is something that we can be so encouraged by. If you truly are a Christian, if your heart is the good soil, then you are going to bear fruit in your life. Your character is going to change. You're going to be a more loving person, a more sacrificial and servant-hearted person. You're going to do great things for the kingdom of God. If you hear the word rightly, it will transform you. It will give you a new life, a spiritual life, and you will bear much fruit. We see it in Galatians 5, 22 to 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And that's why Christians in the church love each other, why they serve each other, why they speak words of kindness to each other. This parable explains the staff, the leaders that you have, why they care for you guys so much, uh, even when you guys are little punks, even when you guys are hard to get along with. They, they love you. They, they give time and sacrifice for you. Uh, why they put hundreds of hours into planning this retreat. Why they've given up their whole weekend to be here with you. Because their hearts have been transformed. Because they're the good soil. They have been absolutely changed by the power of the gospel. They're the good soil. What about you? Are you the good soil? If you're having a hard time figuring out if the soil of your heart is good or bad, this text gives one clear way of identifying whether it's good. And it is that you bear fruit. 
The one difference between the good soil and the other three is that the good soil bears a plant that has fruit. There's no way around it. If you are the good soil, you will hear the word of God and you will obey it. You will follow Jesus and you will do what he has called you to do. Not perfectly, not all the time, but the general direction of your life is following Christ. Uh, to take you back to math class, you have a graph, it's a positive slope. There might be some up, ups and downs, but overall it's a positive slope. Now, don't misunderstand me, guys. I'm not going against everything that I said this morning when I said that salvation is not about doing good works and, and earning favor with God. Uh, this is not how you get saved. You are saved by faith alone. You are saved purely by the grace of God. You are saved because God loves you and gave His Son for you. You are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We're not talking about how you get saved. We're talking about the evidence that you can look at to see if you are truly saved. You see, good works are not the root they are the fruit. Good works are not the root. They are the fruit. They're not the root. They're not the seed. They are just the fruit. The way you can tell whether the tree is alive, whether the soil is actually good. And so uh, we're looking for evidence here. If you truly believe in Jesus, it will transform your life. Maybe in small ways at first, Maybe for some time only internally where you have some desire to honor God, but your life is still kind of a mess and you still pursue a lot of the sins because you just have the, the, the habit built in and you have muscle memory there. But there will be some change. Eventually, as you live your Christian life, necessarily there will be some good works you see, it's too much of a cop-out to say, I'm a Christian, but live your life exactly the same way as before you were a Christian. Too much of a cop-out. And it just doesn't make sense, right? For you to say, uh, I believe that Jesus loved me so much that he paid the ultimate sacrifice. He was nailed to a wooden cross. He gave it all for me. God gave his one and only son in the greatest act of love in the history of mankind. For me. But uh, I, I ain't going to do anything about it. But Jesus is my Lord. He is the creator of the universe. He is my master. And I've committed my life to following him. Doesn't mean I'm going to actually do anything. Jesus has changed my heart. I once had a heart of stone, but in his grace, he took out that heart of stone and replaced it with a heart of flesh, a heart that now loves Christ and beats for Christ and wants to live for his glory. What? Get off my back. I'm not going to do anything. 
not going to change my life at all. See, how does, that doesn't make sense, right? It doesn't make sense. The gospel is such a radical message and creates such a radical transformation in your heart that it will cause some growth, some movement, some change. If you truly love Him, you will live for Him. 1 John 5.3 reads, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His, compa- His commandments are not burdensome. And so I-, I hope that you guys will take some time while you're here, uh, many miles away from home, away from the busyness of it all, to-, to do what 2 Corinthians 13 says, and that is to examine yourself to see if you are in the faith. So here's, here's the four soils. Which one are you? Uh, the leaders can help you. Uh, so your friends even might be able to help you. Talk this out with people. If, you, if you're not sure that you're saved, don't keep that to yourself. Uh, have the humility to talk to someone about it. Talk it out in small group. These are, these are trusted brothers and sisters. Uh, there's nothing more important that you can do at this retreat than to find out that if you are truly in the faith, and if you are, rejoice and uh, receive the the peace that comes with the assurance of salvation. And, And if you find that you are not, then as we saw this morning, the love of God reaches everyone. No one is beyond the reach of God's love, and you can place your faith in His Son even tonight. Now let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, we are confronted in this text with a choice whether to accept your love or to reject it. And Lord, I pray for all of us here that there would not be one cold, hard, unbelieving heart but that we would all humble ourselves and know that we cannot save ourselves and fall helplessly upon you for salvation. Uh, The narrow gate is hard to find, but God, I pray that you would guide each and every one of us to it so that we might enter through to eternal life. Pray for a good discussion in small groups that there would be honesty, transparency, and that there would be clarity for what the gospel truly is. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.